Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Something. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to see another day that's never a promise. I just wanted you all to take some time to really close your eyes, 10 to 15 seconds, and visualize where do you see yourself in the next two to three months. I just want you all to really take some time to open and look around you and see how blessed you really are. Despite yesterday's challenges and obstacles, today has its opportunities and possibilities. And I want you to look closely to someone next to you, maybe behind you, and I want you to tell them, keep going, no matter what, no matter the odds they against you. Because the forces that are with us are greater than the forces that are against us. And I want you to take some time to implement that. Oh man, I have a very special treat for you guys today. She is an award winning professor, speaker, and expert in business and brain sciences. She has completed her formal education in neuroscience, psychology, marketing, and strategy, coupled with a, over a decade in corporate marketing working for Pfizer, Inc., Nestle, Inc., and Johnson & Johnson, Inc. While professor, she has retained positions as faculty at Shoshillin School of Business, the group School of Business and University of Wolf. She has now dedicated herself to helping others through speaking about building better business brains to groups, organizations, and companies stemming from her research which intersects business and brain science. Interesting. Her clients are some of the world's top companies and organizations including Coca-Cola, Google, Toyota, Pfizer, Narvatis, Royal Bank, TD Bank, Raymond James, Georgia Pacific, Franklin Templeton, and hundreds of more. She isn't speaking. She is. She is. When she isn't speaking, she is regularly featured expert in television, radio, and print. She combines real-world experience with frontier research to deliver impactful programming that will be sure to please your audiences and elevate their deadly business. Guys, I just want to introduce you to. My special guest today, her first time being on the Inspire Before We Expire show, Dr. Bryn Weingert. Dr. Bryn, welcome. Thanks, Terrell. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you for coming in, and I thank you for taking time to devote time on this busy, busy day. So, Dr. Bryn, I know it's your first time on this show today. I just wanted you to really take some time to really give the audience a feel of you, of where you grew up, and just your journey of where it all started. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, so, you know, they have me ranked right now in the top three in the world for the type of research that I do, which is, um, you know, to combine business and brain science uh, in order to understand how we as business practitioners can, you know, deliver new insights or understand ourselves better and therefore be better at what we do. Um, and, you know, I've often got that question is, you know, Dr. Bryn, why the brain? Like, why did you, as a business person, why did you want to talk about brain science? That's a, you know, why that? I don't, I, I do know and I don't know. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you. It was always the brain for me. I think when I was very young, uh, something like two and a half, I said what I wanted to be when I grew up was a neurosurgeon. And they said, well, you know, you're too, <laughs> I don't think you know what a neurosurgeon is. And I said, well, no, I want to I change people's brains. And, um, well, okay. You know, and so I sort of got retold that story as I grew up and I grew up wanting to be a neurosurgeon. And part of, I think the original impetus of the original ideology for me was the realization that 
you know, a person's brain controls every action, reaction, you know, personality, perception, reality about them. And I often start my keynotes with a quote, you know, that sort of encapsulates that idea. Um, Walter Freeman once said as an example that all the brain can know, it knows from inside of itself, which, you know, at first glance, that's kind of limiting, right? Because you're telling me that everything I can know, I can know just from inside this little cranium. Um, But what you realize is it's a very hopeful, helpful message because what he's basically saying is that your past, your present, your future, your fate is really held inside those, the, you know, six walls of your cranium. And so I, I, I identified young, I think that there was this machine, this computer in people's minds and people's heads inside their, you know, behind their face that was controlling everything about them. And it was a very rudimentary understanding of brain science at the time. Um, But I grew up wanting to, uh, being obsessed with the human brain effectively. And, And because I thought that it held the key to understanding anyone you ever met. And so if you, you know, as you interact with new people, especially in business, we interact with strangers on a daily basis. I mean, you and I, as an example, have never met before. Um, You know, as that happens, you start to realize that an insight into the functioning of the brain is a really good head start toward getting to know people and and understanding people and being able to, uh, you know, really be able to put yourself in their shoes and have a perspective on their life and their exi- and their needs and their wants and so on. Uh, and so as a corporate marketer, which is what I later became, a lot of those insights were from consumer for consumer purposes, right? Like we were looking for insights about why it was that consumers did what they did, wanted what they wanted, said what they said, bought what they bought. Yeah. What I noticed was is that a lot of the psychology we were using explained what was happening, but it didn't explain why it was happening. And so I really delved into, in my studies uh, and my research, into the neuroscience of things because I was interested in why do humans and why do we as people and consumers, sure, but just as business people even, why do we do what we do? And, And if we understood that, would it lend us more insights? And so that's really my overarching journey. I mean, you know, people can read my bio. I'm sure you'll read it to them. I'm a professor and and I worked for a lot of years in corporations and then I was a management consultant and, you know, really my area of expertise is in, you know, understanding brain science for business people and really kind of taking what is otherwise very esoteric and very academic uh, and drilling it down, distilling it down into something that, you know, you and I as workers and as as producers, we could just we can use pragmatically every day to make ourselves more productive, more motivated, happier, healthier, wealthier, you name it. Right. I love that. I love just your whole energy. Honestly, um, I wanted to say congratulations as well as being ranked Thanks. top three in the world. I read that up on you too. I think that's amazing, and we know that's not overnight. Um, and like you said, you know, really, um, this started off as when you was young, and you just followed yeah. along it with it as you got older. So um, if you can really like, you know, really just really dive deep into, you know, how can, how can the brain think more positively? Like what's a few hacks that you can really share from a person who just always maybe in a space where they're not happy or they feel stuck or they feel just tired and just feel like they're not enough with, 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 with some advice or a few hacks you would give them to really being in a space of clarity in, in, in space of happiness or so if that makes sense. It's a good question, Terrell. You know, if you feel tired, you are. 
And the truth is, is that, you know, especially with technology, the way that it is. So technology has changed more in the last seven years than in all the history of the earth. And our brains are having a very hard time keeping up. Uh, and because of that, what's happening is we're seeing very high levels of not just anxiety, but then 50% comorbidity with depression. Anxiety often will cause depression and vice versa. Uh, we are also seeing high levels of, what, of serotonin deficiency, which, you know, it's not this simplistic, but brass tacks, serotonin is like the happy hormone. Uh, and so a lot of people with serotonin deficiencies don't just find themselves pretty anhedonic, like blah, feeling blah, they feel tired. And then we see with serotonin deficiency, uh, adrenal fatigue and ultimately adrenal burnout through something called the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis that circulates your circadian rhythms and all of your biochemical messengers, feedback loops in your body. And so what I notice is, is that when people say to me, you know, I just can't crawl out of this rut, I feel really exhausted all the time, it's because you are. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there's, to some extent, I often say that, you know, self-care is the best form of health care. I love yeah. that. Yeah, well, yeah. And the idea that before we can really get you to a place that's from good to great, I've got to get you from, from bad to good. Uh, and a lot of that is really about taking care of yourself. And so when we start to see, you know, signs of serotonin deficiency or serotonin depletion, things like, and I'll give you, I'll give you a classic telltale sign. You're exhausted. You're ready for bed. You can't wait for your head to hit the pillow. You get to bed. And as soon as your head hits that pillow, you don't fall asleep. You are, you know, your brain starts to do its work. It starts to worry and ruminate about all the things that didn't get done today, all the things that wants to get done tomorrow, uh, you know, all the things that you would have, should have, could have done. He said, she said, all that type of rumination is evidence that you're depleted in your serotonin. Now, serotonin is necessary to make enough melatonin and melatonin shoots up in terms of its uh, you know, volume basically in your body in order to put you to sleep. And so what's happening is, is that you don't have enough serotonin, therefore you can't manufacture enough melatonin and you're not able to fall asleep. All to tell you, there's this whole cycle that happens that if we start to see evidence of things like that, it does mean that you are burning the candle at both ends, that you are taxed, that you do need time out, that you need time away, that you need to reassess uh, what it is that you're putting your mind to, what it is that you're doing, you know, doing in your day. Um, and with your life, you're obviously not happy. There's obviously something that's taxing and weighing you down. It's not allowing you the equilibrium that you require. Now, once you're there, once you're sleeping and you kind of like where you're at and you know, you're eating properly and you're, you're not clinically uh, diagnostically relevant to anything, so you don't actually have anxiety, you know, it's at that point that my work starts. So I don't actually talk about the pathologized brain at all. I talk about the brain that is effectively functional and needs to go from good to great. Um, and, and, you know, from there, this is when we see things like meditation, mindfulness, prayer, visualization, being really powerful to your first question, really powerful, um, not just antidotes to depression, but also catalysts for high levels of motivation and productivity. And so some of the latest research as an example shows us that all things held equal, even if you know, you're not doing any known visualization, you're not doing any uh, specific mindfulness practices or meditation practices, nothing specific, un, even unstructured for that matter. 
um, if what you what we notice is that if you at least do some of it, the the subconscious and and parts of your brain that you don't have direct access to, those parts of your brain will respond very very positively to the internal narratives that you start to create through meditation and mindfulness and, and mindfulness practice. So things like visualization, prayer, as an example, what that does is that overrides or starts to reprogram the narratives that run through your subconscious on a daily, on a minutely, secondly basis. And so what we think is that at any given time, your subconscious, not your immediate conscious brain, but your subconscious brain is running about four to five sub narratives at, at once, more or less that, that, you know, is almost things that are boiling below the surface or simmering below the surface. Things like what you need to get done, what next steps are, things that are bothering you, uh, you know, this sort of growing sense of hunger as an, or, or whatever it is that's kind of immediately in your environment. Um, and so sometimes, you know, you'll hear about someone says, yeah, like I wasn't really actively thinking about it, but I had this nagging feeling that I was, someone was watching me, or I had this nagging feeling that I was missing something, or I had this, and those are the sub-narratives I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, those sub-narratives can be very toxic. And so what we see is that people who don't take active, you know, um, I want to say progressive kind of uh, a priori control of those narratives will often run those narratives in a way that is self-harming. And so those narratives can include things like fear-based thinking. They can include things like insecurity and anxiety ruminations. Um, but what they can, what that functions to do is to tear a person down at the subconscious level, independent of the world around them, right? And so the world, as you know, is a dangerous, scary, stressful place, or can be at least. The future is unknown, uncertain, and unpredictable. Um, and so because of that, we say, you know, as you're living in this VUCA world, high levels of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, Imagine adding to that the fact that you've got these sub-narratives running that are your own worst enemy. Uh, and so that is really, you know, when you talk about, well, how do we reorient someone toward being more positively, uh, you know, more positive psychology or more functional in terms of the productivity, motivation, happiness, you know, peak performance, you name it. What we're looking to do often in that case, and I don't do this work, like this is, you need a coach for this, uh, but effectively that, and some people do it themselves, like all by themselves, but effectively what we're looking at, at having someone do is rewrite the subtext, the sub-narratives that are operating in their mind so that they're not working against themselves, they're working for and with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but the first step there is in understanding that that these narratives are running and that you do have some semi-level, meta-level of control over them and that you can rewrite them. And so the most effective way that the research shows to do that is through meditation, mindfulness, prayer, and visualization as examples. That's powerful. <laughs> I love it. I love it, honestly. And um, thank you for sharing all that as well. I really also carry prayer, you know, meditation and gratitude with me every day as well. I think it's a, it's a key. Um, yeah. And I wanted to really, really, uh, as I'm searching on your, your website, and it's pretty interesting because you have a lot, a lot, you know, inf information that you've discovered and a lot of stuff that you've tapped into. An ageless brain, can you tap more into that? Yeah. Uh, so some of my first research, as an example, was, um, and this going back even in, you know, 
sort of 2004 when I was banging my tambourine talking about the benefits of brain science and what a lot of the demographers that were willing to listen were cared about was the fact that um, a lot of our succession planning was ill ill fitting like we didn't there wasn't a lot of succession planning in organizations uh, and that effectively we had a population that was aging on the aggregate because the baby boomers are not just the healthiest wealthiest happiest generation to have ever lived they're the largest uh, and so this you know enormous generation was going to be retiring or semi retiring in the imminent future and they wanted both to be relevant still in their career they wanted to be able to extend how long they worked past the mandatory retirement age of 65. They wanted to find out through research whether or not there were ways that they could neuroplastically keep themselves healthy and productive and functional uh, and, and thwart things like disorder and disease and decline, you know, and dementia. Um, and so that's what I put myself to work doing was that that was actually my original and, and first uh, research was how can, what are, what are the signs and symptoms of a brain that is aging, but healthily? Because we know that the brain changes over time, but what are the markers of a brain that's changing appropriately, healthily, and non-pathologized like non, non brain? Um, and, and that we didn't know. We don't know that. We didn't have that research. And so that's a lot of what I was studying was sort of what the normative trajectories were for changes in the brain and specifically changes associated with the functioning, functional, non-pathologized brain in the workforce. Um, and so, you know, I found things out, like as an example, as you get older, while your short-term memory starts to decrease, your long-term memory typically stays the same. Uh, your working memory sometimes extends itself, but your working memory sometimes decreases. And this is when people come to me and say, I'm like, you know, 65 and I, th I feel like I was never diagnosed with it, but I feel like I suddenly have ADHD as an example. Um, and so we see a lot of variants, but there are some sort of known trajectories and pathways um, that, that the brain can go through. And the fundamental tenant, I think, of a lot of that research, um, and it's, there's, it's very granular, so I probably won't belabor it with you today, but the, the fundamental tenant is this. It is required that you continue to use your brain in a way that is challenging and extending so that, and, and you know, expanding, uh, expands your frontiers, puts you into uncomfortable head spaces even, if not real places, meeting new people, doing new things, because those new experiences, according to something called the novelty effect, allow a lot more neurogenesis. And neurogenesis is exactly as it sounds. It's the etiology, the beginning of neurons being able to newly wire together. And in neuroscience, we say that neurons that wire together fire together. And so what it allows is that somebody who can be much more um, into their later years can stay learning something called light, the principle of lifelong learning, can stay thirsty, can stay, you know, almost like the Dos Equis guy, stay thirsty, my friends. Um, if you stay challenged and thirsty and trying and challenging yourself and pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, what we see is a lot higher levels of uh, maintained neuroplasticity, just like any muscle. If you, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. And then higher levels of neurogenesis, which allows for you then to be able to be healthier. And so the, the fundamental premise of the ageless brain is this notion that if you put yourself in the way of doing the right neurocognitive work throughout your life in your career, 
you do not have to fall prey to things like disorder, decline, dementia, disease. Um, that's not a, a necessary direction that your brain has to go throughout your life's course. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and I wanted to take some time, which I do every episode, Dr. Brendis, to show some gratitude to you, honestly, today for just showing up, being present and showing so much insightful information of your, your discoveries, your research, and just um, applied knowledge that you, you really took time to really step into over the years as well. Um, so I didn't want to take too much time, but I always love to show gratitude to my, to my guests, my special guests, honestly, um, and to all your success. Now... Um, Thanks. You're welcome. Absolutely. Now, you spoke of challenging, and I love that you spoke of that, you know, uh, because I have a lot of younger listeners, so they're probably like, wow, they probably taking notes right now and, you know, really so in tune because they're learning something new. And that's why I like to pick out those who are standoutish and who are really putting in work around the world today. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is that one challenge you faced along your journey, and um, how did you overcome um, I mean, one challenge, I don't know, I had a lot of them. I think, you know, it successful people are only successful because they got knocked down seven times, but got up eight, you know, like, and I, that's a quote that I love. I also love the quote that hustle beats talent when talent doesn't hustle. Uh, the idea that, you know, there've been so many minor and major setbacks along the way. Um, and finding, especially my niche is a very strange one. I'm, you know, I'm one of the only, well, there are there are many, but, but one of very few number of people in the world who actually combine this, you know, the two sciences that I do in this interdisciplinary space and seek to mine that and, and grow that field. Not a lot of us. Uh, and, and so finding that niche, I think, was its own little challenge. I think finding my space in that niche was its own little challenge. I think finding uh, how I wanted to deliver the insights that I was uncovering was a challenge. You know, I was a professor full time. I loved it. I won teaching awards. I love my students. Um, and, you know, to this day, I keep in touch with many of them. But the challenge often is that, you know, in order to stay busy, in order to stay uncomfortable, in order to stay challenged, I had to, had to evolve. Um, and, you know, that evolution wasn't always seamless and it wasn't always pretty and it wasn't always graceful. Um, but, but I think it's important to not only follow your passion, um, but understand that the polish, I think that a lot of the, um, and I had some really good mentors, I will say that, um, a couple quality over quantity for sure, uh, a handful, three or four who were people that I implicitly respected, who I knew understood and respected me who I knew I could turn to and ask just about any question of. Um, and those were people who I took from and who, you know, I really, um, I really took a lot of insight, inspiration, motivation from as, as I struggled. And I think it's important to remember that the polish that a lot of very successful people, way, way more successful than me, have is... Um, is really a matter of tenacity. And it's really a matter of, like I said, like they get knocked down every day, they just get up again. Um, and, you know, adding a certain amount of grace to um, sort of the battlefield wounds, if you will, it really is, is its own little art. Um, but that, that I think is, is what the people who I looked up to, the people who I uh, aspired to be like, I think that's something that they embodied was the ability to, keep at it, be consistent, be patient, follow their, you know, their real interest. Um, know why you do what you do. I'll give you an example. People come to me all the time and they say, 
oh, Dr. Brand, I really want to be a speaker. And you think, well, that's fine. What are you going to say? Or they'll come to me and say, I really want to be like you. I want to be on television. I want to be interviewed by journalists and producers and newscasters. Well, the thing about that is that in order to be on a stage or in front of a camera, you do need to have something to say. Uh, and that thing should likely be helpful to other people or why would they tune in? And so I think, you know, as I, it's sort of like a crash course on how to develop kind of your direction, if you will, that will help you be successful. But, but you really want to answer that question for yourself is why people often tell me what the outcomes are, but they don't tell me or the metrics, but they don't tell me the reason behind it. And they often can't verbalize that. And I think that's, that's a shame because that will ultimately not allow for their success. If what you do instead is say, here's, I want to deliver insights to humans. As an example, this is my personal mission statement. I want people to understand their brain better. So they are better period. And then what I can do is figure out, well, how, what are the medium media? What, what medium do I use to deliver those insights and what type of research am I going to do to help in that vein? And so if you know, if you have something that simple and easy to understand, um, then it's a lot more easy to both direct yourself as well as to help other people help you. You know, I mean, no man is an island. It's impossible to do a lot of things alone. And so it's, it's maximally helpful if what you can do is figure out why you want to do what you want to do and frankly, how it's going to help serve. Um, because that's ultimately, I think what, what I, at least for me, that's the only thing worth worth putting myself my and my life's work in service of is in service of others and of their better well-being um, and so as an example i mean you know you get knocked down you get back up you stay with it you find your passion and you know you can verbalize very succinctly why you do what you do um, and i think those kind of key key factors have really helped me overcome any obstacle, every obstacle. And if you think I don't have them, I have them daily, <laughs> like daily, there are challenges on any business. So yeah, I mean, that, that's really what I, I, I think contributes to my willingness to keep going and, and my raison d'etre, as they say, my reason to be. Yeah, indeed. I love that. Um, I love that you said that you didn't really quite say it, but everyone does need somebody, you know, um, like you say, mentors are key as well. And just uh, stating that you know, we all have challenges, no matter what level you're on, no matter how high or low you are, um, every day is a challenge. But with challenge comes growth as well when you just don't quit. And there's always a reward at the end. Um, so I love that. Honestly, I wanted to really, really um, just give you some space. You know, I know you've been really sharing a lot of insightful, incredible um real detailed information today. I wanted you to give some space to share something that you haven't got to share yet. You know, um, feel free to take the floor. Wow. I don't know, Terrell. I, I, I've said a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe about some upcoming events, some programs you have, some things you may have in store. Yeah. Um, I don't actually have anything much open to the public, unfortunately. You know, I'm working on a lot of exciting things right now. Uh, a couple of the exciting things that we're doing is we've taken a couple of the books that I had, I was writing and we transcribed them into or transferred them into scripts effectively, loosely written, but scripts. And then we put a lot of the modules that I would have put into popular press books 
into uh, YouTube videos, episodes, basically self-produced episodes of a television show that they're 10 minute long videos, but basically they're insights around how to do what, what I'm talking about, how to be more productive, more motivated, happier, you know, what are the factors that contribute to that? How do you do it? Um, and so it's actually like the granular practical applied neuroscience uh, in those videos. And it's really, you know, largely because the uh, publishing industry is having a hard time right now. And I was having a hard time with publishers. And so I figured, forget it. They're not going to pay me anyway. Why don't I publish this in video format on YouTube? And then it's free for you and for your listeners and for the whole world to benefit from all of my thinking for the last 40 years, you know, and then you have access to my research for free. And so there again, you know, maybe it's sort of sort of a fallacy of abundance or something, but there again, I figured I wasn't going to get paid anyway. I might as well just give this information to the world in a way that's accessible and free to them, as long as you have a computer and access to YouTube um, or some way to access YouTube. Um, but that was the idea is that basically now we release a video every week. It's a 10 minute episode of applied neuroscience ways that you as an entrepreneur, as a business person, as a human uh, can use your brain better to be better. Right. Absolutely. And what's that YouTube channel they can go ahead and follow and support? It's youtube.com backslash Dr. Bryn. Okay. Awesome. I love that you said that. I never really heard that. Um, it's funny and interesting that you said that as well. It's just saying that instead of waiting for this publishing company, you're just going to go ahead and make the move yourself yeah. you know, because it's your story. So share, share us with a few of your books. Uh, I'm so sorry I didn't get to bring that up early in the episode, but share a few of your books where, you know, um, it's out to read too as well, right? No. So no. So what we did was we didn't, we, I didn't really want for a lot of what was happening uh, in these publishing contracts and through these negotiations, I didn't, I just didn't approve of it. So instead it's in video format. So you actually can't, you can read it on my website through the blog that we call the latest. Uh, but a lot of it is now in video format on the YouTube channel for free. Seriously, everything that I ever thought that I ever researched um, it's not, they're not all out yet. Of course, the episodes continue to air every week, every Tuesday they come out. Um, but that's the idea is that I, instead of having to read, which I know is, uh, you know, sometimes challenging, you can watch it. They're all transcribed. So if you don't have audio or you're on the transit or the subway or the bus, you can still, uh, watch it and read along as I'm talking. Um, but it gives you, all of them have step-by-step you know, advices, tips, tricks, tools, I call them the three T's, tips, tricks, and tools for things that you can actually do right now today to use applied neuroscience to, to do whatever it is you're trying to do better. All right. That's awesome. Guys, that's listening right now. Go ahead and go ahead and go to YouTube, type in Dr. Brent as well, support. Um, and don't just look at half of the video, guys. Take some time away from things that can distract you and read her story. You know, get in touch with Dr. Brent. She's an amazing woman. I'm glad that this is our first conversation and it's very, very positive and it looked like there'll be more in the future. Being a successful woman you are today, what do you feel like is missing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think bigger, for me anyway, I don't know if it's missing, so I'm going to reframe the question. I don't think it's missing, but I think what I'm building toward is a circumstance where there are, you know, because I think that everyone with a human brain can benefit from my research and from what I know, uh, I'm striving to have bigger platforms 
on which to convey it, on for which to help people use their brain better and understand a lot of this science and take some of this science and make it accessible to people because it is written in very, you know, academic journals in very esoteric language. Uh, and so really trying to kind of bring that to the, pu the public and to the general population. So I think that for me, it's, I wouldn't say that it's missing, but it's something that I'm still not only in service of, but I'm still challenged to uh, deliver, frankly, to the human population and to humankind, you know, over the world. Uh, and, and that's what I work toward every day is, is um, figuring out, trying to find out, trying to hone in on uh, what those platforms are that will help people benefit from what I know, that will help get what I know <laughs> downloaded somehow into people's brains to be able to help them. Indeed. My last question for the day, because Dr. Bryn got to go. She has a keynote later on. Um, Dr. Bryn, uh, when it's all said and done, what do you mostly want to be remembered for? Yeah, um, I think, you know, having insights that were frontier, uh, one of a kind, uh, new, and I think we so far so good. People think uh, have come up with some pretty out there ideas, um, but you know that 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 effectively I helped them, and that I helped them in a very pragmatic, very real, very human way with no pretension and prejudice, and you know that they were able to sort of very easily follow, very accessible way of taking brain science and making it something that every person of every walk of life of every level of education could benefit from indeed share with your social media your website everything that people get in touch with you would be right up yeah thank you uh it's drbrin.com and then all of my ads all of my handles are dr Bryn. so on all the platforms youtube instagram twitter facebook you name it linkedin it's at dr Bryn. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Brent. People, subscribe, follow, support Dr. Brent Mission. And guys, stay tuned for the next, the next episodes. And also just follow this young lady, her incredible, her incredible career, all the space she's creating in neuroscience, beauty brains, business as a woman, boss babe, you name it, guys. This lady's incredible. I really hope you guys enjoyed this so much insight and it brought so much value to you. Subscribe, leave a review for us and stay tuned. Thank you so much for your time. This is the Inspire Before We Expire, and we're out. Boom. Thanks, guys.